Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. Let me tell you a secret. The most important foundational principle you need to know about money is the power of cash flow. Yes, it is really all about the money flow. So stay tuned to hear the seven secrets to free up cash, why you need passive income, and how to get your cash flow in with our guest, Chris Miles. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. 
Hey, hey, I'm so excited that you decided to hit play on this episode. It is so great to have you here. I promise you this is going to be an amazing one. Because cash flow isn't something that is taught often when it comes to personal finance, but honestly, just think of where you'd be if you didn't have cash flow. It's how you pay for things. And as you go through life, it's really all about cash flow, how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. Thankfully, Chris, the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor, is here to help you master the cash flow game. Chris is a leading authority teaching you how to get your money working for you today. He's an author, podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show. He's been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneur on Fire, and has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, getting his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by over $250 million in the last 11 years. His thoughts on creating an anti-financial plan will blow you away. So excited to share this conversation with you. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, and this is Millennial Money. Well, Chris, welcome to the show. I'm so fortunate to have you here today. We're talking about a great topic, so thanks for joining us. Hey, it's such a pleasure, Shauna. You are a cash flow expert, which is music to my ears. And I also love this. You call yourself the anti-financial planner, which is something I can relate to. We'll get back to that. But it only seems fitting that we start by talking about cash flow. But I want to start maybe a little bit backwards. You know, mm -hmm. what do you think people typically get wrong when it comes to cash flow? Like, why can't we figure this cash flow thing out? <laughs> Well, you know, not many people are really teaching about cash flow, right? I mean, right. almost everything you see out there in the media, and, and this is kind of you know where my background came to, because almost 20 years ago, I started as the mainstream traditional financial advisor, right? But you were always taught and trained to tell people how to grow money over the long haul, right? Never over the short term, but it's always over the long haul, but nothing about how to actually generate cash flow now or how to even free up cash flow, you know, because... There's not like a product you can sell in the financial world that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to help you figure out how to like, you know, you know rearrange <laughs> some of the things of your expenses, right? Or increase your passive income. Like there's no incentive there because there's no financial company involved to sell a product. So usually that gets overlooked and missed. And that's, I tell you, that is the number one cause to the wealth growth effect, right? Is that right. cash flow has to be first. You have to have way more income coming in than expenses and you don't have to live on rice and beans to do it. Yeah. And that is definitely the message that you hear a lot of times, right? That you have mm -hmm. to be in that sort of cut everything out, very minimalist, can't do anything, yes. can't have anything mode. And that also puts people like in a state of panic because nobody really wants to live their life that way, or at least I don't. I mean, mm -hmm. some minimalism probably good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think it's really interesting that the financial industry, I mean, if you just think of it like any other, other industry, I mean, it's it's there to obviously make money off your money or sell you a product or something like that. And and some mm -hmm. of these these lessons about cash flow, just there, you're right, there isn't a product, so nobody's talking about it. But, you know, you brought up about passive income. You know, what role does passive income play in in the idea of like making money work for us? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I get so many people all the time reaching out saying, Chris, okay, here's the thing. I'm I'm basically asset rich and cash poor, right? Like mm. I've got anywhere from several hundred thousands to even into the millions of dollars. And 
it doesn't equate to any income. And even worse, they said, Hey, I even followed, you know, like guys like Dave Ramsey, you know, I followed them and, and, uh, I lived on a budget, paid off everything, including my house. And I'm still not financially free because I still have expenses and I don't have income. It's like, how do I change this from just growing money, compounding money, which is what we're always taught to do is save and compound over a slow, long, arduous period, right? Yeah. How do we get to actually generate cash flow? And and that is the key, the key difference, right? It's like, how do we get that to happen? You know, how do we start looking at things outside of Wall Street, you know, outside of the typical stuff that you see that actually generates income on a regular basis so that you work because you want to, not because you have to, that you can actually enjoy your life, be with your kids while they they actually want to be with you, you know, that, yeah. those kind of things, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff that often we don't see. And now I'm in, in my forties, I'm seeing it cause I've got teenagers. Right. But you know, before, oh you know, like my twenties and thirties, I was just like, Hey, how do I even survive? You know, like, how yeah, do I get there? Right. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many people have, that are like, they're like in their forties, fifties or sixties. They're like, dad gummit. Like if I had known this, when I was in my twenties or thirties, yeah. this would have been a game changer for me. I, I would be way wealthier today knowing this stuff than just trying to save it in my 401ks or IRAs and getting the match, which really isn't that much anyways. And, and doing that traditional stuff, it hadn't worked for them for decades. What makes us think that the next generation with the millennials and the gen Xers <laughs> what makes us think it's going to work for them too. Right. And I like that the younger generations are kind of saying, like raising their hand and going, wait a minute, we don't want that same work 30 years at a company. Just no. try to put money in a 401k and like cross our fingers that we're going to have enough money to to live our life. Like, let's mm -hmm. shake things up. I think that's what's really exciting about millennials and younger generations. I mean, even Gen Xers to some extent could have that viewpoint, but just looking yeah. at things differently. Exactly. It's, it's, it needs to be different because you can't, you don't want to have the same results that your parents got, right? Like you, I mean, look at them. I mean, even the ones that say that they are okay, they're, they're, they're banking on social security. They're, they're banking on that. The government's going to somehow bail them out to some level. And, and the thing I've noticed is this, I like evidence. I like to know that things work. And that's what happened when I was in my twenties as a financial advisor. I said, wait a minute, I, I'm seeing this happen over the years. Like I'm, I'm watching people that have had decades of advice and then they're getting to this retirement age and it's not enough. And it wasn't that they didn't save enough. They saved exactly what they were told to save. Mm -hmm. But the strategies, the way, the means to get there didn't work. It's just like today. It's, it's the same equivalent that I'm seeing now. Like it's been almost 20 years, right? Same equivalent I'm seeing today is people are talking about the whole fire concept, right? Financially yeah. independent, retire early. And, and I, I'm totally all in favor of that concept. In fact, I even joined the Facebook group. I was so much in favor of it. You know, like I was like, cool people just like me that are, that I actually did. It. I've done it twice. You know, like I did it first when I was 28 and I did it again when I was 39, you know, and I got in that group and I was shocked. Like these people were, were buying into the same old crap, the same strategies that their parents bought into that didn't work for them. They're like, yeah, well, if I put in the market, and especially if you if you've only seen the stock market in the last decade or so, right. it's been up for twelve straight years. Understand that in history, it has not done that. We have not right. seen twelve up years in a row of the stock market. Like that's huge. Like it's almost always the pattern is two years up, one year down. So just yeah. know that the more years we see up in the market, imagine what the down years are going to do. And there's so many people that think I'm already there. I'm financially independent because I just have, I just have to live off four percent, which is not enough. I found that out twenty years ago. As a financial advisor, that 4% was enough. And people are still teaching that crap. You know, it's like 4% is not even going to help you help your money last long enough with inflation, especially you need to live on no, no more than two or 3% a year. 
but people think they're like, oh, I'm financially independent. Oh, really? Is that going to happen when the market turns? Probably not. You're going to be <laughs> just as broke as your parents were. You're just a really good Dave Ramsey advocate follower. You know, that's it. Yeah, I don't know if that's a title I want to have, but that's a whole other episode <laughs> in and of itself. Uh, okay. That was a little bit of a rant. I apologize. No, I've, I've, I, I've I, pent this up for 20 years. So. I love it because I think it's eye-opening. It's it's at least, I hope that somebody listening is thinking like, okay, well, how do I think about things differently? So like, what are some of the passive income or you know cash flow generating uh, ideas that we can, that we can think about incorporating. Yeah. You know, like, so this is what happened with me, like, you know, 2005, you know, I was the financial advisor. I'd been that financial advisor for almost four years. Right. So I started right after nine 11, you know, after the twin towers and everything, you know, and, um, you know, I, and like I said, I, I like evidence. I like to see that when I'm teaching works, but I started to, I started to have some holes in it. I started to see that people weren't really as good off as they were. And that the stock market, for example, only averaged 8%. You know, if that, you know, that's before fees come out, right? In fact, the last 30 years have been 8.3%, which is high for a 30 year average It's actually just a few years ago was about seven and a half percent, you know, so it just depends on what you're looking at. Well, you know, I remember the end of that year, I had a friend who I trained to be a financial advisor that quit to go do real estate investing. And, uh, and I was, I called him up cause I'm like, all right, we'll see if he's broke yet. You know, cause <laughs> You know, you see, I had a little bit of an ego. I'm like, all right, yeah, we've heard people go try to do their own thing. And, you know, he's going to come running back to want to be a financial advisor again because, you know, hey, financial advisor is the epitome of wealth, right? Right, right, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, just see, and, and this and this is the key because uh, we got in this conversation. He said it's only been four months that he broke off and he started doing partnering up with real estate with his dad. And I said, well, how are things going? He said, oh, man, that's awesome. Like my dad's already doubled his income as a professor at the local university. I'm like, Wait, wait, in four months, he's doubled his income? Yeah, just with the real estate we've been doing. I'm like, come on, that's quote unquote, too good to be true, right? You know, and, and he's like, man, it's working. And so we got in this argument, about what's better, stocks or real estate? And finally, he just said, Chris, let me ask you a question. How many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? Not retired, but they're not worrying about money. I said, well, none. They're all worrying about money because they turn on CNN, the news, they freak out, you know? So nobody's free. He's like, well, good job, Chris. Way to go. Um, <laughs> how about this, Chris? If anybody's got this figured out, it should be you guys as financial advisors. So how many of you as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing the investments you've been recommending, investing in mutual funds, basically? And I said, well, let me think. None. Maybe this one guy is. And I found out that one guy wasn't either later on. He was actually broke as everybody else. He just oh, was no. all flash, all show, right? And he's like, well, there's your problem. And I was like, okay, well, tell me the answer. He's like, I won't tell you the answer. And, and finally, I got, I convinced him to say, hey, you got me to admit something's wrong here. Give me something. So first, he had me read the book, Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a lesser known rich dad, poor dad book, right? Yeah. Um, to sum it up, mutual funds suck. There you go. Um, <laughs> there's the cliff notes. <laughs> there's the cliff notes, right? For, you know, saved you three hours on audiobook because I'm usually an audiobook consumer, you know? Um, and then the, and then the second thing he said, he's like, well, listen, to this local radio show, this is before podcasts, but basically listen to these people that are talking about like real estate investing. And that's kind of the path I went down. And in fact, later on, just by applying that, I was able through streams of income in my business, as well as with real estate, I was able to become financially independent later that, later that year in 2006, that summer. Um, granted I had a low cost of living, I had two young kids. So like, it wasn't hard to hit my number. Right. Um, but you know, I did it almost what felt like accidentally because it was so much easier. 
So going back to your question about what did I do, right? Well, two main places you can go to, which is places that financial advisors won't recommend. You know, one is if you have a business, look for ways to develop residual income streams through your business. If you've got that, or if you have a business idea, look for ways to generate there. Now, granted, that's not exactly, you know, it's going to be active income, especially when you start. But if you can develop ways to get it to pay you residually, and I separate residual and passive. Residual is like passive income in business, or passive income is like passive income in investments, right? With your money. Right. But if you've got a business, that could be one of your easiest, fastest places to go. That's what helped me the first time to become financially independent was I actually started generating streams of income where I wasn't doing the work. Like I had other people doing stuff. I was either referring it out or I was leveraging systems. I mean, now it's even easier. We've got like online stuff you can do. You can have like regular traffic coming in with, you know, SEO or whatever it might be, right? Or, or paid ad, you don't have to do paid ads a lot of times. Lots of times it can be organic and you can start earning money while you sleep, literally, you know? So that's, if you're a business owner, that's one of the first places I would look at that no financial advisor can touch because that could be potentially almost an infinite rate of return on your money. For second sure. place is, second place would be is looking at like, you know, other types of investing. So like real estate is an easy one, but it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> there's lots of opportunity there, but I'll tell you, uh, the worst way to do real estate investing is looking in your backyard to try to buy a property. That's what I almost see everybody do. And they screw up big time. Um, especially where I get clients that come to me from the West coast, you know, like, I mean, you're in California, <laughs> you, you get this, like, you know, I, I see people like, uh, I had somebody just recently, they're like, yeah, I've got this property. It's got 700,000 of equity in it. I'm like, great. What's your monthly cash flow? Like your net profit, 200 bucks a month. Right. I'm like, oh dude, sell that. Like get rid of it now. <laughs> but it was our first, our first property. We're kind of attached. I'm like, that attachment's not worth it. That's 700,000. You can take out East, like from the central States on East in certain parts, especially the Southeast or maybe Midwest. And I'm telling you, like I usually look for, at least for single family homes, a 12% rate of return, cash on cash. Meaning that if I have a hundred thousand bucks, I expect to make a thousand dollar a month net profit and I don't manage the property myself. So he was making 200 bucks a month managing the property himself. I could take that same 700,000, make at least six to 7,000 a month net profit off that money and not manage it at all. Like I have somebody else managing the property for me. It's totally hands off, much more passive or kind of semi-passive because you still have to go, if you're leveraging loans, you got to still apply and buy it. And there's a little bit of work up front. But after that, there's not a whole lot you do. It's kind of like watching grass grow. (laughs) It's kind of boring. And I'll tell you, I've learned, you know, that's the thing I learned as a mistake from my 20s is that I try to gamble a little bit too much, which is why, you know, I ended up going over a million dollars in debt during Mm -hmm. the last recession. I had to dig out of that. Didn't go bankrupt, but was pretty dang close. Um, had to dig out of over a million dollar debt hole, was able to retire again in 2016. Um, I learned boring is sexy. Like the the <laughs> sexy is just, you know, they pay you regular income every month. You can almost count on it. You know, it's there. You know, it's not like I have to gamble. You know, I got like a little bit of Bitcoin, but I'm not betting on anything for financial freedom with that. Right. Know, Cause that's just speculative crap. You know, like that's just fun. You know, that's like going to Vegas basically, but it's not something that's sustainable, you know, but, uh, but when I can, actually get something that pays me like a rental real estate where I don't have to pay, touch it or two, like it could be a fund, you know, like there's funds that I know that, um, I have clients going into their paying 10 or 11% a year, you know, and you just put money in and you're done. There's syndications, you know, where you might partner into a multifamily where you're buying into an apartment complex or self-storage or assisted living, you know, which that got a massive hit last year. And now there's opportunities in that area arena, right. You know, especially as COVID starts to die off a little bit more. 
So all these kind of things, I mean, there's so much you can do. There's oil and gas. I mean, there's so many places, but the key is really finding the right strategies that match up with your goals and, and really match up with what you actually enjoy, you know, so it doesn't feel like it's a job, even if it is passive. weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. 
Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future, too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. We have an Ask Shauna. This one comes from Brianna. And Brianna says, hey, Shauna, I've been a longtime listener all the way back to 2017. And I can tell you that I have never missed an episode. I love all of the guests that you have on the show. There's such a variety of topics and different ways of thinking, and it has definitely changed my relationship with money, so I can't thank you enough. In fact, I have been able to pay off debt, build an emergency fund, even save to buy my first house, which is a huge milestone because I will be the first person in my family to own a house, and I can literally say that it has been because of this show. So I would encourage anybody else who has been listening to even check out episodes that maybe you might not think are good episodes for you. There's always something really special in every episode that you can take away with and impart in your own financial journey. So I just can't thank you enough. But on to my question. So I was having a conversation with my sister and I was trying to give her some great tips, but it kind of got me thinking that maybe I need to think about this a little bit differently myself. So I know that typically it's not a good idea to take money out of a retirement account. And I've been thinking about this when I am approaching buying my first house because I know I could take $10,000 out of my IRA penalty free. And I know you've talked about this on the show a lot, but I kind of go back to all of that negativity that I hear around it. And I start to feel really judgmental about even considering this idea. And I was having the conversation with my sister and I just didn't know how to think about it. So I really wanted to hear your thoughts because I appreciate your wisdom so much. So thank you again for the show. It means the world to me. Brianna, thank you. Wow. Listening all the way back since 2017. That makes me really excited, but also slightly terrorized. <laughs> Some of those early episodes are a little rough as as anything is, right? When you're when you're starting something new. In fact, I was talking about this with Jeff and he was encouraging me that if you go back to listen to almost anybody's podcast, early episodes are probably a little rocky. So I appreciate you hanging in there with me. And it's certainly what I try and do in every episode. I, I hope if you can walk away with, with one thing or even like half a nugget, then I feel like it's been time well served. And my whole idea is that 
that you think about listening to the show as as like a giant financial literacy think tank and that I'm trying to bring so many different topics to you so that we can really change the way we think about money. So Brianna, I'm so excited that you you echo that back to me because that means that it actually is resonating. So thanks so much. And this is a great question and I'm so excited about your financial growth. You did that, not me. So I don't want to take more credit than than I certainly deserve. Like you made the changes and that is amazing. So no matter what changes you've made, if you're listening to this show, like I want you to really applaud yourself because that is that is amazing. It's really hard to change behavior, specifically when it comes to money. But you bring up a good question. Should you or should you not take money out of retirement account? And I know that there's a lot of articles, blogs, advice that you should never do it. And I understand that because when you're taking money out of your retirement account, you're you're lowering that uh, amount that your money then compounds on top of, right? Remember, one of the beautiful things about investing is that if you have a long time horizon, money compounds, it stacks and stacks and stacks upon itself. And we've had like 12 amazing years in the stock market. It's it's not going to continue like this forever. It's just, it's just history if you look back at history. But the last 12 years have been really great. So you've got a lot of stacking of money. And and so if you if you take money out, you, you lower that base that money is compounding upon. I hope that makes sense. But there are some reasons and times when you need to take money out of your 401k or your IRA or your Roth. If you're in a financial situation where you can't pay your bills or maybe something unexpected has happened, maybe there's a health issue, sometimes your retirement account is the only place you can go to to take money out of. And so there shouldn't be judgment around that. There really just shouldn't be. Maybe it's not the best thing traditional finance-wise, but who cares? You've got to pay your bills. You've got to survive. So in those circumstances, absolutely, right? And and yes, you may pay tax on that money. And, and yes, you may have a penalty. But again, sometimes this is just the way life has to go. I've had to take money out of my own retirement account a couple of times. And it's it just happens. And it's okay. And I want you to know that it's okay. It's certainly if you're looking to take out $10,000 from your, your IRA f- to buy your first house to put towards a down payment, you're not going to have that 10% penalty. You are going to have to pay tax on that money. So I just want you to be aware of that. But sometimes that's the only way you can afford to buy a house. So I think you just need to look at what is important to you. If, if you're young enough and you take money out, you have a long time to put money back in. You have a long time to ramp that back up. So I would say if you're going to take money out for the down payment, like make sure that when you you buy the house and you have that monthly payment for your house, that, that still affords you the ability to continue contributing to your retirement account. So I don't want you to sacrifice one for the other. I hope that makes sense. But you're right. We need to change our thinking about this because sometimes we have to go in debt. Sometimes we have to take money from places we don't necessarily want to take. And sometimes we're taking money out to to better our situation like you're doing. And so I think that's okay. We need to change the dialogue around this. Not everything that we do with money is negative. Not everything has to be bad. So Brianna, amazing question. I'm so glad that you brought this up. And I'm so glad that you're thinking about this idea of reframing when it comes to money. I think we all need to do that. 
So if you haven't asked Sean a question, just like Brianna, you can go to the show notes. There's a quick link there. You can even ask me to leave your name anonymous. I'm more than happy to do so, but I would love to answer your question. And I know everybody else is eager as well. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. All right, let's jump back into the episode with Chris because he still has some amazing gems to share with you. Here we go. So how do you do that? Like, how do you figure out, because there are so many different options, like how do you figure out what would align with your goals? You know, the, the first question I always ask people is, 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 your, is your goal cash flow, like a quick, you know, quick cash flow, or you're more focused on growth of your money? Because some people might say, you know, I don't care about the cash flow now. Like, I just want that money to grow and then eventually become cash flow later on, right? Uh, which is fine. You know, that's perfectly okay. Well, if you're going more for growth, well, that's where maybe like some of those syndications, like those multifamily deals might be a good option. You know, I had somebody ask me today about their oil and gas fund. They're like, yeah, it doesn't pay a lot short term. I'm like, no, it's when they sell it in like five, six, seven years. That's when you make the big, bigger money. So maybe that's the option you go with, right? Um, so there's there's different plays. You know, there's even in the real estate world, there's there's different you know, some that pay you more in cash up front while others say we'll pay you less up front, but we'll pay you more on the back end. Um, if you're more of the cash flow, and that's more the way I lean, like I, I like immediate results, right? I know that <laughs> if something goes wrong, like for me, like I don't mind having some of the longer term growth plays, but for me, like I know that if I get immediate cash flow, like that's mine. It's not like, hey, someday I might get blank. It's like, it's like when people are like, yeah, I'm getting rich off Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, well, you're not rich until you sell, you know? So, chill out, you know, when you sell it, then you're rich, you know, like, right. But uh, until then, until the money's in your hands, you're not really rich. Right. So 
Um, same thing. It's like, okay, do I want cash flow now? Um, to me, I think the best one that has the best balance between cash flow and growth is like I mentioned, doing like turnkey real estate where you're hands off, but you're making money because not only do you make the cash flow month to month, but then you also make the growth. I'll give you an example. I have a property I bought in Memphis exactly three years ago this month. Um, you know, when I bought it, I bought it for $134,000. Now my down payment with closing costs and everything was like 32,000, but my cash flow on that property right now is 400 bucks a month, you know, or almost, you know, almost five grand a year, you know, just that alone. I mean, I'm already about 14, 15% net cash return, right? Yeah. The cool sure. thing is, is since then that property now is worth at least, and I'm sure based on whatever day it is, it's probably more, but it's worth at least 170,000 now. Now you'd think, okay, yeah, sure, Chris, that's 35,000, but understand I put 32,000 into it. So mm. when you have appreciation, especially when I put say 20% down that property, right? Any appreciation I get is a five times multiplier because I use leverage. I didn't use all my money. I used debt, you know, which is, which can be great when you use it correctly. So, you know, if you, if the property appreciates 5%, you don't make 5%, you make 25% because that 32,000, remember I've been making, you know, I guess total cash flow. If you add it all up over the last three years, I've probably made about $11,000 net profit. Right. But on top of that, um, the, the tenant also paid down my mortgage by about, by over 3000. So just from that alone, even if the property didn't appreciate, I still made about $14,000 in three years on 32,000. So that's almost, that's about a 40% plus return in three years. But now I have appreciation, right? Now that's 170,000, you know, now I've got an extra $36,000 a gain there, which is over a hundred percent return. So now my total return is nearly 150% in three years. Do the average on that. That's pretty dang good, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and the nice thing is that it's almost the point, even though the cash flow is still nice, if that keeps appreciating or it gets to a point where there's enough equity, eventually I would sell it off and buy two houses with the price of that one. And then my cash flow is even more when it does it. So it almost like creates its own babies, you know? Right. So yeah. that, that's, that's the thing that's so awesome. So, I mean, again, everybody has their own, you know, comfort level. I have, I have one client, he just retired, you know, from Washington state, you know, and he's wanting to do properties, but then properties, there are not a ton of them out there. He had to be picky. So he's, you know, doing a little bit, he's buying a fourplex, but then he's also putting 700,000 into a fund that's going to average about 11%. And that's for him. He just needs cash flow, And he's like, I just need my million dollars to make me a hundred grand a year. I'm like, well, as long as we make at least 10%, which is not hard, voila, done, check. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Next, moving on. You know, that's, and that's kind of what we look at. It's, it's such a different mentality. In fact, that's the thing that blew my mind as a, as a financial advisor when I left that world in 2006 was, wait a minute. I've been telling people to live on less than the interest so they don't outlive their money. But if cash flow really is the focus, like I said, like even if you made, you know, 10% on your money, right? You have a hundred thousand bucks that pays you 10,000 a year or about 800 bucks a month. That's way better than living on two or 3% of a hundred thousand because two or 3% of a hundred thousand, right? Yeah. It's only like two or 3,000 a year. Same thing with my client that has a million bucks, you know, like for him, if he did the traditional financial planner model, he would have to take out only about maybe at most 25 to 30,000 a year and then get taxed on that. So he's maybe walking away with 15 to 20,000 a year after taxes, right? He's, he's a millionaire living below the poverty line. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I mean, that's ridiculous, right? You're like a broke millionaire. <laughs> but if that, that million can generate at least 100,000 a year, now he's in the six figures. That's a, a completely different life 
And, and by the way, especially if you do it in the right places, some of them even have tax advantages where you don't pay much in taxes, if at all. So that's the beautiful thing is that there's so many ways to do it. And once I, once I had my mind open up to it, it was like, screw everything else. Get away from, <laughs> you know, any of the traditional financial planning stuff that financial advisors offer because they, they don't have anything good that gives you hope. It's, it's really kind of a hopeless situation doing the traditional stuff. Yeah, it's it's just like it feels like bad news. You're giving someone bad news after bad news. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's that's what kind of depressed me. I had to manipulate the numbers to say, well, maybe if I make inflation only 2%, oh, now they got more money. That's better, You know, which is not realistic. Inflation is way higher than 2%, especially now, right? So yeah, when you're doing that kind of stuff and trying to manipulate numbers as a financial advisor just to make people feel good, it's not cool. I mean, it... If, if you want to retire in 20 years on a, on a hundred thousand dollar year lifestyle, I've, I've done the numbers. You've got to save up well over a hundred thousand a year to do that. It's, it's crazy. You have to save up more <laughs> than what you want to live on to retire in 20 years. It's just, it's just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that's just unrealistic for so many people. But I, mm-hmm. I, so I've got a question. So how much, cause I would imagine somebody listening is thinking this, like how much cash flow do you need to have to create cash flow? Like, do we need to be, do we need to have just like a a ton of money saved in order to start, you know, investing in some of these things that generate cash flow? Not at all. No, I mean, I've I've got, you know, we, we, I've got kids of mine that like little kids that, that actually want to start investing things that generate cash flow. I mean, you could start, I mean, there's, there's a fund that I refer some of my clients to that, that they can, they, they take a minimum of a thousand, sorry, a hundred bucks. There's no one that takes a minimum of a thousand bucks, but one actually only requires a hundred bucks to get started. So you can start with very little and at least get that ball rolling. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's not a barrier to entry because I think a lot of mm-hmm. times when we hear about even these returns sometimes with different cash flow opportunities, it's like, well, we put up that blockade of thinking, well, mm-hmm. that can't be us because you know we're just like trying to make ends meet here and yeah. not a lot of cash. Like, how could we possibly make that happen? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Now, if you're trying to buy a real estate property, you're probably going to want 25 or 30 grand to get started, you know, but yeah, if you're if you're looking at least to start somewhere and do something, you know, it doesn't require a lot at all. And and like I mentioned, if you're if you're a business owner, you might be able to do things with no money out of pocket. It's just purely of setting up the right systems and tools and processes in place to allow money to keep coming in even if you're not working. Mm, yeah. So going back to rental real estate, because I think that's something I've certainly heard from a lot of listeners, something that they're at least interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the the plus sides of that, but are there any downsides to investing in, in rental real estate or like what are some of the things you maybe need to watch out for? Oh, there's always downsides to anything, right? Um, and then the, the best thing you do, well, here's one thing, one philosophy that's out there that's completely 100% false that you should remove from your from your vocabulary, right? The quote, the quote is high risk, great high returns is completely <laughs> bogus. That is something that that's only been taught to us by financial institutions who want us to take all the risks while they take none of them. Right. Um, that's why financial advisors teach it because that's what the institutions teach them to teach you, you know? And, and so when I look at risk, I try to figure out how can I lower my risk as much as possible to get the highest return. And that's what real investors do. Real investors say, let's mitigate this risk as close to zero as possible. So like in rental real estate, like I mentioned, if you're just trying to buy your own property, it's scary. And honestly, you could, there could be a lot of risk. You could end up buying something that doesn't positive cash flow. You may be a crappy landlord. That's not a way to go, in my opinion. Um, I found out I was a crappy landlord, which is part of the reason why I lost money in the last recession, you know? 
Um, you know, those kind of things, you know, if you, you don't know if you're even buying it at the right value. So uh, that's, that's one of the key things you got to look out for. Um, if you go more the turnkey route, the risk would be, do you, do you find the right kind of turnkey company? Cause there's several companies out there. Many of them that are friends of mine that I know out there that some do great jobs while others do okay. Like they're just mediocre, right? So you yeah. have to be careful of that. Um, but I mean, there's plenty of companies out there that'll say, Hey, you buy, you buy the property. We'll help you manage it. We'll, you know, we'll make sure that everything's taken care of. You just have to buy it. Um, but even then you want to make sure you're still scrutinizing and make sure that company has good, consistent results. Um, you know, I, I, I saw somebody who used a turnkey company and they said, yeah, like I'm using this one and there's a popular one too. And, and they're like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty popular one out there. I'm like, great. Well, what's your net profit? What's your rate of return? 6%. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> gross. That's horrible. <laughs> now to them, that was awesome, right? Um, heck, even when I have my international clients, like from Australia, they can only make two or 3% if they're lucky on their properties. So for them, 6% is awesome. But I'm like, no, like this should be at least double digit. I mean, unless you're looking at a fourplex and maybe it might be 9%, you know, or something like that, 8% net return. Right. Still, you should be getting at least eight to 10%, if not 10 plus percent on these properties. Um, so, so it does, it does matter. Sometimes it's just, they're not in the right areas. Maybe the market's not good where they are now, but might be later. Um, that's why it's good to create those contacts, get to know these different companies and really research them before you just try to jump in and, and buy from them. Yeah. I like that advice. Definitely research for sure. Uh, and I want to go back, uh, as we, as we kind of wrapped up, you talked about retiring twice, uh, yeah. 28, 39, and then in the middle there was maybe some lessons that you learned. So mm -hmm. if you could, if you could shortcut for us listening, like, what do you think are some of the most impactful money lessons that you think we all should know? Well, I mentioned boring is sexy. That's a huge one, right? I mean, you want, you want to make sure you're going for something that's consistent and paying, you know, I would add to that, that, you know, if you're looking at outside investments, you know, um, even if you're looking at something like a fund, or you're looking at someone who's saying, hey, let's do a syndication where we pool our money to go invest in something. You're just putting money into it. Um, really, really question about their track record. Um, question about whether they got their own money in the deal. Because if they won't mm -hmm. put their own money in, why should you, right? Um, you know, those kind of things that you want to be looking into. Um, I, I think the biggest thing I learned was stay away from speculation and hot tips. Um <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like the thing that got, got me the worst was, you know, I realized that if I was banking on appreciation, because 2006 real estate was hot, it was appreciating kind of like it is now. But the problem was that there was appraisal fraud, there was um, overbuilding, which none of that stuff we're seeing today, right? Like right. we're not seeing the same conditions that we saw before. This is not a bubble at all for real estate. But back then it was like, it was just ridiculous. And the lending, I mean, the lending, they, they would give anybody a loan. Yeah, they don't right. do that do you, anymore. Do you have a pulse? Here's your loan. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. You could do stated income. I did stated income loans. I could say, Hey, I make 25,000 a month if I was making 5,000 and it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't question it as long as, you know, you had a good credit score. Um, and that was wrong. You know, that, that created a massive bubble. And, and that's the thing you should watch out for is these kind of things where it seems like everybody can make money doing something. This is why I see like stock market. Everybody's like, Oh, everybody can make money in the stock market or Bitcoin's the way to go. Crypto's the way to go. Like when you know that your classmates from high school are saying, and they're, and they're the more, the idiots too, right? They're the ones who are like, Hey, who wants to go with me, go in with me to buy some Bitcoin or who wants, Hey, I just made a bunch of money doing stocks or celebrities are telling, telling you how they made all their money in stocks or whatever kind of investment they did. When you start hearing that kind of stuff become mainstream, that's the time to not invest in those things because 
I, I was doing that with real estate. I was banking on appreciation. I was like, well, hey, if I can make 10%, I should buy a bigger house because then I'll make more money because a $500,000 house would make me 50 or a $100,000 house would make me 10. Let's go big. And then I went wrong. You know, I, instead of going big, I went home, you know? And, uh, and that's the thing you got to be careful of is so stay away from the, the stuff that's all hyped up and everybody's talking about. In fact, the things that people are saying, Ooh, watch out for this. We're in a bubble. Like we hear people all the time saying real estate's in a bubble. That's when you know, it's not (laughs) when the (laughs) mainstream people are saying, Oh, real estate's scary. It's just like before. No, it's not like before. Um, but I'll tell you what is like before is I've seen many, many cycles of the stock market and I've seen when it gets overbought and overvalued and it's there, it's already there right now. So, you know, be careful. Good. If you've made money in the last decade, but you know, be careful in the future because there's no guarantee that's going to keep going that direction. Such great advice. Well, Chris, I feel like we could talk forever. Uh, you just have such amazing tips and definitely have me thinking different about cash flow. I'd love for you to tell everyone listening, if they want to connect with you and learn more how to work with you, where do they go? Yeah. Two places you can go to. Uh, one, you can follow my, my podcast, the Chris Miles Money Show. I know it's a hard title to remember, but you got to just remember my name, at least the Chris Miles Money Show. Um, check that out. Um, especially if you already listen to podcasts like this one, you know, and then if you ever want to reach out to me, you can always go to my website, moneyripples.com. I've done close to 675 podcast episodes in the last six years, but what Chris just shared really put a fire under me. There's power in creating cash flow. And I love that he said you can create cash flow without a huge investment. Why don't we teach this? Think how powerful it would have been to learn about cash flow in school and really understand how it works. But the best part is it is not too late now. That's what I'm clinging to. (laughs) And my wheels are spinning. So if you enjoyed this episode, take a listen also to how to build passive income right now with Rachel Richards from last year. I will link it in the show notes. That's another great episode if you're really interested in passive income. So if you enjoyed this, do me a favor, share this episode with friends and family members, anybody that you want to get thinking about this idea of cash flow. And as always, you can find all the links to Chris and the episode sponsors right in the show notes. Be sure to follow Millennial Money Podcast in any podcast player you're listening to so you never miss an episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.